When you're listening to Battle Red Radio, I'm Matt Weston, and this afternoon I'm joined by the Scrappy to my Scooby, my good friend Taylor. How are you doing this afternoon, man? And Scrappy Doo is obnoxious. Is that how people look at me now? If that's how people look at me, we have a serious problem. My feelings are going to be hurt. Well, just, I'd rather Jaggy than Scrappy. But like, uh, well, I don't know. You're, I just mean more like Scrappy short, you know, and talks a lot. Scooby's just kind of dumb and tall, you know? You're already trying to hurt my feelings today. I love it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, it's been already I missed you, so we had to make up for lost times, you know? So we had to, like, hate each other a little bit, you know, love each other a little bit, yell at each other a little bit, and that's what families are for, you know? I need you to tell the audience whose fault it was last week. You called me out beforehand. I need you to tell everybody that it was your fault, that you were the one that was like, I don't want a podcast today, Taylor. I just can't. I'm just too busy now with my new life. Moved away from you. <laughs> yeah. Care about doing anything else with you. I'm just gonna do what I want to do. That's what you said to me last week. I need you to tell the audience the truth. Well, unfortunately, I was unable to, and then we couldn't find a day that worked out. And yeah, I have a new life that I'm settled into now, and so uh, it shouldn't be that much of a problem going forward now that you know, I'm settled into this new life of mine over here. I'm so happy for you and your new life, a hundred miles away from me. God, right. it's, it's only it's, 30 miles. I might come up and see you this Sunday. You're going to have to come down here sometime. And uh, I got a nice patio I'm sitting out right now. It's 80 degrees. It's spring It's spring today. It's not even NFL Sunday at all, you know? I'm so far away from you. It's 60 degrees over here. It's cold <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah, it's because you have your AC down to 55 degrees. You have a, a hoodie on right now. Yeah, well, I have to have a hoodie in my own house. My, it's so cool. Yeah, I'm going to bring a whole whole parka over this Sunday. Uh, yeah, we're already with blankets for you. So we didn't get to talk about the the conference championship game round at all. So go ahead. Let's. I want to see you gloat. I want to see you you know, do your little thing you know, for going 2-0 last week and being correct about uh, everything that occurred last weekend. Um, I don't think there's going to be much gloating from me because this is kind of a dream come true. I think this is just what I've deserved in my entire life up to this moment, where finally Taylor <laughs> has the Super Bowl matchup that he has always have wanted okay. and needed. So this is just kind of like destiny, you could say, that it it's about to come around, and finally the world says, Taylor, you're up. Yeah, I like that, because I'm just sitting here trying to think, like, what's been my favorite Super Bowl matchup? I'm like, oh, I wanted this one so bad all year, and I don't think that's ever happened at all before. Never. I would say the one that I thought of maybe closest was the Legion of Boom versus Tom, where that was where it was the yeah. best defense up against New England, where everybody thought, okay, this is the game. That's where I, that's the last time that I really felt like something crazy like this one. Yeah, that's a good example. I think for me, probably like Atlanta going to the Super Bowl that year because I picked them, bet on them like week seven and then fell apart, of course, in the actual Super Bowl itself. But that's probably game. the only time. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm very happy for you. I did also want to talk about this, though. 
Jason, uh, by the way, I'm not going to make fun of you about the Josh Allen. I see you're not wearing his jersey anymore. Thank God. But I'm, I'm really curious on your thoughts now of Aaron Rodgers. Do you think that game kind of hurt his legacy? I don't think so. I think it was. I think he played well that game. I think the problem uh, is that they were uh, cowards and they didn't go for it on fourth and seven. I think he played he well though. Run the ball. He could have ran it into the end zone. He, could, he, he would was- not have scored. He wouldn't have scored. But if he ran it, they would have got like three yards or four yards, and it was set a shorter fourth down. And that was what that was like my big gripe about. It. It's like yeah, like even though you're not even like the field goal is the biggest problem about, but it's like. Going to the huddle, you have to be like, look, if nothing's there, we're going for and fourth down. Just take what you can. You don't have to convert here. We're not kicking this field goal. And that wasn't relayed. There was no direction there. I think that was more about Matt LaFleur than Rodgers himself on that play. So then let me ask you this, Matt. How did you feel when Buffalo didn't go for it, my man? Three times. It was like three times they kept kicking field goals. How is that feeling? And the moment they kicked the field goal, I immediately texted. I go, game over. We're already done. The first— the first one wasn't bad because like that was their first drive and it was a long it was a long conversion attempt there. The one that killed them though is the one at the end of the half where they had that great drive. Like Allen finally was able to make some plays on the run and wait for coverage to break down, just like hold on long enough to create plays. And then on like fourth and one, they kicked a field goal. Disgusting, yep. disgusting. Yep. And then they're like, and like okay, the only way you can kick a field goal there is if you get a ball if you get the ball back in the second half. They kicked. The ball- and then Tyreek Hill went 70, 71 yards off immediately. And then they, were already gave, they already scored a touch and the game was over. Then it's just like, I don't understand at all. Um, but like that was kind of like the point. One of the questions I was going to ask you was, you know, what did, I, what did you learn most from the NFL playoffs? And what I personally learned most is all cowards go to hell. All sissies die. You have to go for it. Like Pete Carroll didn't. Kevin Stefanowski didn't. Mike Vrabel didn't. Matt LaFleur didn't. Sean McDermott didn't. You know who did? Andy Reid did. Tampa uh, Bay didn't really have the chance to, but you have to, though. The ones who pulled out the games are the ones who took the chances. The ones who try to play a game safe and not play it like this is the last week of the season are the ones that lost. It was. It's weird that these coaches think their analytics or whatever are still going to work in the postseason, when in fact it's really – you have to just not care. It has to be balls to the wall like – Oh, I'm just gonna go all out. I'm not play. If you play it safe, you're done in the NFL and playoff time. Yeah, and you're done. And you saying that too? Like, I think the analytics usually say to go for in the situation. So it's like in the playoffs, are like, eh, yeah. I don't know. I'm scared. I don't know. I don't want to do it. I don't come. To- I don't know. Just do it. Just give me the points. Yeah, I I hate it, and that was kind of the biggest thing I learned this year. And uh, you know, I've already known this before, but like this year with five different head coaches all just pussing out like they did. It really kind of hit the nail hard and home that, you know, you have to go for, and these are the chances that you have, and you have to make the most of them, you know? Well, it's also whenever you're coming down, we're talking about the Super Bowl matchup here. Whenever you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, where people already, everyone knows Tom, but people already think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to take that over or be equal to him. So when you're going up against the two greatest, according to people, what do you expect to do? You can't play it safe again because obviously if you give them the ball, you just automatically should assume that they are going to score. Yeah. You should assume either one of them. So playing it safe and kicking a field goal, you already lost the game in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't, again, like it kind of depends, of course. Like it's not one size fit all, but whenever you have, like certain opportunities you have to, you know what I mean? 
Like, yeah, like not every like fourth and nine at the twenty every yard line one. you should go for, but if it's fourth every... and one at the forty, yes, you have to go for it. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're getting past your your own forty or their forty. Either way, if you're on that forty yarder, you got to do it. I I still think the worst decision though was Lafleur's one, that fourth and seven to kick the field goal there and make it a one score, make it a a, a five point game. That was just so, just unbelievably stupid. Yes and no, because I still to your point, because you even brought it up. I still think the one in the Buffalo in the second and in the, before in the, the first second, half. I thought when I even when you even mentioned it, I even thought that it was uh, Buffalo who kicked off and they were getting the ball in the second half. So the moment that they came out in the second half and I saw that it was Patrick Mahomes on me, I go, oh, what the oh, what the hell are you doing? That was what I thought was the dumbest thing was the fact, well, he's getting the ball. Who, you can't do that. You're getting a bigger hole. Like You're going to be dead the whole ways. Why are you just making it bigger? I was so mad watching that game, just sitting there by myself, and now I'm so mad all over again, you know. Uh, I will say this about Josh Allen that game. Like, it took him, you know, 35 minutes to learn how to play football again, and he was nervous that first half. He wasn't Josh Allen. And you know, who, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the 2018 AFC Conference Championship game whenever Patrick Mahomes was bad for the first three quarters of that game, then turned it on the fourth quarter. They scored like 21 points in seven and a half minutes, sent that game into overtime, and you know, would have won if D4 wasn't offsides on that uh, interception that they had. And you know, like, these are big oh games, my you know? God, I'm gonna puke. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for the quarterback <laughs> to be in, to be ready, to be feeling good, and um, be in those situations. I also think, too, like Buffalo really did good. I mean, Kansas City did a really good job playing like a lot of zone coverage that Buffalo wasn't prepared for in that game. And it wasn't until the second half they had a better offensive game plan. All the field goals kind of get, did them in the end. But, you know, these are big games. You know, they can say all the right things they want to say. But um, sometimes it's hard to play in these situations. And, like, Buffalo's going to get better this offseason. They'll be back next year. And I'm really excited to see what the future has in store for uh, Joshua Patrick Allen. Okay. Oh my. Okay. I just. I'm sorry, but that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. How dare you even compare him? Saying, "Oh, this is just a Patty Mahomes situation." No, it's not. Josh Allen is gonna be lucky to even be able to have a signed jersey from Patrick Mahomes after a football game, let alone even be near well, the he quality. Doesn't, of he doesn't want that. He doesn't want his signed jersey. He doesn't need that. Exactly. He'd be lucky to have it, but Mahomes doesn't want to give him one. No, he doesn't Josh deserve. doesn't want it. No. Nah. Oh, nope. We're we're competitors. I'm not. You're I'm not, you're not an idol of mine. Let me tell you what I think was the greatest moment. Not only the Chiefs' victory, Stephon Diggs is a man. Yeah, I, I love him more and more. And I think that you have hit the nail on the. Just it's perfect. He is Jimmy Butler. He is the Jimmy Butler of the NFL. Where him watching as the Kansas City Chiefs celebrated, and you could just tell it's a stance of. I'm pissed. This sucks. I want to do this. Like, this sucks. It's just, it's a guy who cares so much. And it's something that I would love to see out of a player on my team. And it's just, you can tell he cares. He cares more than anybody else. He cares just as much as Kansas City winning. I, I think it's I think it's just really speaking on how Stefan Diggs is. And, oh, my God, he's going to be paid like crazy. Well, and it's some really, he's like a real 1990s athlete too, where it's like, it's all about the game itself. It's not about the other things that come along with it. Whereas like, there's so many other players who are like, 
yeah, they they play the game because the game allows other opportunities for them. Like it's about it's not about being an athlete, it's about being more than one. So, in a lot of ways, and like Diggs is just like about being a wide receiver and winning football games. You know, it's yeah. And if he has a better quarterback, he's going to be even better. Oh, okay. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, the, the other thing about that game too is weird is whenever Tony Romo alluded to some Versace party he was at with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and stuff like this is like eyes wide shut like is there some sort of like cultist orgy going on at the Versace hotel that all of them were taking a part in yeah, that's great Tony it's like what are you talking about like, this is the Illuminati he's referencing right now yeah yeah Jim I was hanging out with the Illuminati the other day and we were talking ball and <laughs> Uh, you know, they said Andy's a bit, really loves to show up to these parties and uh, he can't get enough of the hot dogs. I was like, what are you talking about, Tony? Okay. Tony on some of his even comparisons on what he was saying out there. I, I was like, Tony, shut up already. Like, what are you talking about? He was getting a little too wild. And he gets the Super Bowl this year also. We get Tony on Sunday. Well, either way, Tony's entertaining. Not to say like what he was saying was just, he, he acted like a jackass in some areas, but I still enjoy the hell out of him. Versus Joe Buck. Yeah, like what sure. I've, The only thing Joe Buck has is the voice. Otherwise, he's absolutely worthless to me. I wish I could kick his ass every time I see him. By the way, his hair dye is so gross. Well, he wrote oh. that, uh, he wrote oh. that, or I guess he had the autobiography that he wrote with somebody else, where he's talking about how his hair plugs made him, made him almost want to commit suicide. <laughs> that's how, that's the, that's the hard that's... things that Joe Buck has had to overcome in his life. Yeah, you know, whose father was uh, the play-by-play announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals. God, I hate the St. Louis Cardinals. So we right. ha- we have one list. I don't want to talk about that. We've had enough <laughs> enough mean things to say. I'm already mad already. Uh, so we have one listener question for tonight from at C A Renee Texas. Do you really do you really believe both sides let this go so far as to seeing Deshaun Watson not playing football in 2021? All right, so I'm going to tell you this right now about the Deshaun Watson thing. All right. Only, and do I think, hell yeah, he should go to another team, this, this, and this. If I'm the Houston Texans, and if I'm as big as douchebag as I think your owner is, you can go to hell, Deshaun. I'm going to sit your ass. I'll pay you, and you're not going anywhere. I'm just going to pay you, and we'll play this game. We'll see who breaks first, but I guarantee it's going to take me one year, and then you're going to break, mm-hmm. and then I get you back. And that's all Houston would care about in a way because they know they're not even going to win with him. So I'm sorry, but in the long run, I think Deshaun's going to lose this. And I hope that Houston kind of sends this because I think I agree. No, let me rephrase. I think Deshaun is right. I think that Texans promised him this. I think that they should have honored it. At least he's your bread and butter. You take care of that bread and butter. Or don't promise something you're not going to do. Exactly. Just fulfill the promise. You told the guy that. If you told him that, then you should have made him a part of the decision making. Don't go against it. Now you look like an asshole. But if I'm the Texans and if you get this whole, oh, you're going to trade me player mentality out of their head, oh, you just sit in shock. You just ride the wave and you say, all right, man, we have you for at least two years. We're cool. I would do it. Yeah. And they don't have to pay him at all. Also, if he sits out too. Uh, So that's the way I look at it also. I think if, if I was running the Texans right now, which I'm not, of course, but if I was, I'd be like, yeah, we'll just pay you not to play. Who cares? Yeah. That's fine. You sit out. Well, actually, we're not even have to pay you not to play because we don't have to pay you anything if you're choosing to sit out like you are. And then uh, by doing so, you know, you can go 0-16 next year, get a high draft pick, 
try bringing Deshaun back the year after. If he doesn't want to, keep it going. Who cares? Because like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even trim to the Jets for four first round picks and two second round picks and Sam Darnold. No, I wouldn't do that. I'd rather just keep Deshaun and make him stay. If your owner is the guy that I think he is, he is such a piece of crap. He should hold on to him. Well, and that's just. Well, and he's, I don't think he's even a piece of crap. I think he's just, uh, he has a very smooth brain. He's not very intelligent and he's a big, he's kind of a doofus. And so he has other people telling him things that he should not be having these people have as much responsibility or have his ear like he does. I guess that's a good, see, I don't know what would be better. If somebody just thinks you're really, really dumb, like somebody really believes you're dumb or if you're a piece of crap, I don't know what would be better in that scenario, but I do want to say you, you're probably right on the dumb because when you go out of your way to hire a firm to do research in order to help with the hiring process and you go against everything that they actually told you to do after you paid them, that's just you're blowing money. I mean, you could give me that money to do that same research because <laughs> you're not going to listen to anybody. Well, it's funny because like the listeners of this podcast, they know who Jack Easterby is and you really don't know who Jack Easterby is then. I'll have to send you a couple of tweets of Jack Easterby being Jack Easterby. And this is the guy who's secretly, or not secretly anymore, but is pretty much running the Texans. And you'll be like, that's him. That's the guy. And it's, com- it's completely un- unbelievable that this is the person making the decisions that uh, are really running this team at the moment. Does he look like me? No, he looks like... Uh, I thought he looked like me. That's why I was thrown out. I thought he was like a small, tiny white guy who's also adorable. But he had, his whole head is shaped bald. And he kind of looks like the snake from the Jungle Book, the cartoon version. Oh. Or kind of like Voldemort. He looks like Voldemort. <laughs> oh no, they're com- they're gonna be at my door. I said it, you know. Hey, you're not allowed to say that name out you loud. Can't say but it. Even though, I man, I hope Deshaun. Because the problem with Deshaun, I don't think this is really his choice, in my opinion. I think it's everybody talking to him saying Deshaun don't. Deshaun don't. Deshaun don't. Yeah. I think it's all of that. And it's also coming from Texans players too, which makes it more hurtful because if you're Deshaun, I, no matter what, it's like you, you feel like you're stuck either way. Mm-hmm. No matter what, Deshaun is not winning in any situation. And it's just if you're him, you're the one that's stuck in the middle. You're the monkey in the middle that everybody made fun of. And that's just because you can't go anywhere. You're stuck. I hated being in the middle. It sucks. Well, I mean, Hey, man, whenever they played uh, smear the Q-U-E-E-R word, I was always that one. I hated that game. Yeah, that was not a very fun game either. Uh, no, no. Well, so this is my prediction. I think the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson, and I think they're going to trade him because they hired David Coley. And David Coley is not an X's and O's guy. He's not a very good coach. He's a great person. He's a great spirit. He's very optimistic. He's somebody that you'd like to have on your coaching staff. But it's not somebody who's going to like create a new offensive innovation that's going to get Deshaun Watson to the next level. So I think they hired David Coley because they know down their heart they're going to trade Deshaun Watson. And then they're going to have David Coley there who's going to be able to be like, you know, keep morale somewhat high, uh, keep the young guys who, who are going to be there, you know, somewhat optimistic that there'll be a better future while the team goes 0 and 16 or 1 and 15 or 2 and 14 for the next like two or three years as they go like through a comp- go through a Cleveland Browns trust the process sort of rebuild. And so I, I didn't think Watson was going to get traded. And then once they hired David Coley and we did the three and a half hour mega podcast, I think he's going to get traded now. 
Well, after the Matthew Stafford thing, that's the only reason why I'm kind of convinced, too. And it's because whenever you're a Texans also, regardless, well, according to you, he's a big dummy, so he may not even care. But the moment that you see what Matthew Stafford gets, you're kind of having to sit back and be like, well, wait, what can what can I get then? And it's, by the way, I do have to ask you that. What a great trade. What do you think he's going to for Deshaun? No, no. What do you think of the Rams getting uh, giving away that? For Stafford, do you think a team doing that is worth it? So a team being able to give up four first rounders, for example, would that be worth it? I think for well, I think that was a trade that helps out both teams. You know, like the Rams have no quarterback in Jared Goff. They have a guy who is completely a product of the system that Sean McVay created, who doesn't really create outside the offense or making by better at all. And now by having Matthew Stafford there, like they have that sort of quarterback who can do that. Um, and like for um, you know, the Lions' perspective, like. Look, Goff isn't a very good quarterback at all. You know, paying Goff that amount of money a year isn't good, but he has no guaranteed money owed at all, so they can cut him whenever they want. And getting two first-round picks for for Stafford, and turning that, and getting Goff, it's like it's a win-win trade. I think for both teams, I think both teams got out well on it. And like even then, it's like maybe you can get something more out Goff if you use like I don't. I mean, I can't even. I can't even start talking about that without laughing, but. Uh, I think it's a trade that helps both teams because the Lions are definitely in like a rebuild situation, you know. I agree. I think it's just funny that Jared Goff's now going to be stuck in Detroit. Funniest and place will... he can go to. The funniest. He's like Mr. SoCal Cali boy going to cold, barren, uh, be tough, blue collar Detroit is the funniest place ever. Like, I can't wait to watch him those all gray Detroit Lions jerseys. That's going to be the funniest thing. And play for Dan Campbell, too. It's like he's going to be just walking down the street and people in Detroit are just going to raise their fist to him. <laughs> just like, when it hits you, and he's like, stop, stop it. He's going to flinch every time. And everyone's going to be like, that's what I thought. That's what everyone's going to do to him in Detroit. It's going to be amazing to watch. He's just be like staring at some decrepit buildings and be like, where's the beach? Where are my <laughs> bros at? Where's the volleyball what? at? Where are my flip-floppies? None of it's here, you know. Where are all the blonde people at? Yeah, I feel, I feel so bad for him. Not really, but that's the funniest place for Jared Goff to go. And like, it definitely is a good punishment for the sins that he's committed the last three years. You know, That three-point Super Bowl, this is what you get for that three-point Super Bowl, is you get sent to Detroit You know, two years later for that. This is what happens when you don't deserve to win a game in the NFL playoffs. You get punished, not only in the Super Bowl by scoring three points, but now we have to double punish you. Yes, and also what's funny, too, is he looks so miserable in that cold Green Bay weather. He gets to go to Green Bay and go to Chicago and go play outside in these like cold-weather stadiums that he does not want to be at at all. It's a shame Detroit doesn't play outside. The Bears have been the only team that have been funnier just from a cold-weather standpoint. No, because then the Bears would be fine. Bears just, would be something. I'm just talking about Goff just sniffling, just like boogers running down his nose, all sad how cold it is. Because the Lions do play indoors, you know. That's true, too. All right. But so, I will, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Was, we'll jump into I was going to say, do you like with the Rams and Matthew Stafford? Because for me, I just wanted to say I love it. I love I it, too. That. I think that's insane to me. I actually am pissed off because I am scared of the Rams now. I think they're going to be so freaking good. But go on. I guess we'll get the show on. Well, Whatever. I mean, they're they're in a win now stage too, and it's like you you have a window. They're in the middle of their window, and whenever you have a window, like you have to go all in and try to break through it, you know. And so I think they've done a good job doing that. And uh, and so like yeah, I think it was a good trade for them. I think they're trying to win a Super Bowl like next year, the year after, and this is their chance to do so. I agree. I concur. I like it. 
Um, so for the Super Bowl, for the big game on Sunday, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite Super Bowl snack to have? Favorite Super Bowl snack? It's got to be beer. Beer? Beer's probably <laughs> yeah. the only thing that you got to be able to have on a Super Bowl Sunday. Because regardless who you're cheering for, if you're making bets, if you have somebody that you want to win, you just got to keep drinking because if they lose, it at least makes it feel better. And if they win, you feel 10 times better. So either way, it's at least a numbing way, right? I, that's that's all I got. And you can always get drunk enough and be around somebody else who's drunk enough to really make somebody mad and really get them arguing, you know, and yelling about something. And that's part of the fun, too, of that. That's uh, usually whenever I make bets on Super Bowl and people have been drinking and I end up winning, they then throw the money on the ground and they say, you could pick it up. And I say, happily <laughs> with a smile on my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, beer is probably the best one. Whenever I do this sobriety thing from... January until April, they're the really the only times I miss drinking are like the Super Bowl, like that divisional round game day where I could just drink beer for eight hours and and drink you know fifteen beers and not having those days are unfortunate, but uh, they'll be coming up I guess sooner in a different way. But I guess I'm gonna go with coming none. You'd be able to have some fun. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I'm well. I'm gonna drink four kombuchas on Sunday. We're cooking fajitas, I guess now. I'm gonna get some bean chips. I'm gonna be farting all over your couch. We're having a good time kombucha and bean chips what you're not coming over with kombucha and bean chips yep that's what i'm doing this is a healthy lifestyle podcast now you're using the bathroom outside that's the real that's that's the rules here that's fine i'll use the outhouse i'll head out to the jakes you know like they said in the olden times by the way what's your favorite super bowl snack uh i mean i guess beer is probably the best one but since i don't get to have beer i would say uh, kombucha and, and bean chips. <laughs> You're okay. All right. And, not, a nice cup of coffee too. No, you, that's not a, nobody wants your snack. That's not a Super Bowl snack. Yeah. Nobody else is doing that for a Super Bowl. And if they are, I want super, I want somebody to be able to tweet you saying I want some kombucha and some bean chips. That's the classic Super Bowl. I'll take a picture of the of the snacks and post to be like, can't wait to party for the big game tonight. And everybody's like, you're disgusting. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, you're going to hell for how disgusting you are sometimes. Well, look, you know, I gotta make sure I gotta stay strong for you know this giant baby. I gotta I have to try to pick up every day, and so I gotta stay strong in the meantime. You know. The good news is, is that I'm just going to be able to donate my clothes the moment that it's born. (laughs) That's all I'm going to be doing. You're going to be my new Play-Doh's closet, except I don't get any money. But still, they're going to be wearing my clothes so I get to see them at least. Hey, look, that's my shirt. Yeah, whenever they're like five years old, their entire wardrobe at the school is just going to be Chipotle gear. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're going to have so many Chipotle hoodies. And my dad be like, well, how the hell did he get all that? Yeah, I grew out of it. Or actually... (laughs) out of it i just wanted to give him my old stuff i just had too many of them and now this five-year-old can have them uh the other thing i have to i have to say to you before we get going the game preview is that don't watch the commercials don't watch the halftime show because it's all mk ultra propaganda made to subvert your consciousness and uh, and keep you conflicted and operating a lower uh, brain level frequency so don't watch the commercials. Don't watch the halftime show. Use that time to uh, spend time with your friends and family and loved ones. Don't watch it. Ignore it completely. What is this? It's like, all right, you're going to hear a loud beep. Yeah, that weekend commercial. 
That was yeah. MK Ultra at work. That little jingle, every that's MK Ultra right there. No, we're not doing this, Matt. We're having a <laughs> nice time where you know what? If you want to watch the commercials, watch some new previews, because according to you, there's still gonna be new ones. So you know what? Watch them. Don't listen to your nasty propaganda nonsense. No, this isn't propaganda. This is the truth. The commercials are the propaganda. Just be having fun here. This is Super Bowl Sunday, not Mad Conspiracy Theory Thursday. <laughs> well, after seeing the swirl on the green ketchup, I've I've gone back down the rabbit hole again. Oh no! Don't do that, man. That's why they sold that to this, kids. At this point, my lady's gonna break up with me because she's like, Taylor, you're watching too much cartoons. You're watching too much anime. You're just too... And it's because, man, there's nothing else on. And I don't want to fall down rabbit holes. I want my mind to be at a child's, at a child's mind at this point. There we go. Falling down <laughs> rabbit holes get me in trouble. Yeah, just as you need to be at the level where you can actually buy and enjoy the green ketchup. Exactly. I don't want to ever buy that green ketchup. Yeah. Well, I, I showed her that and she was like... It's not the same thing at all. I'm like, that's not the point, all right? It's not the point. Hold on. It's still the this world. Is, that's what matters. Can you see it in there? Yep, you can. If you can see it in there and you know that it's there, guess what? Usually means it's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I don't like rabbit holes, man. This is what you do. Stop poisoning my brain. I don't want to agree. <laughs> so for the Super Bowl, we have the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Our, our long journey has finally come to a close. Uh, overall, I'm 45, 37, and four. You're 39, 41, and three. I'm up by six percent by win percentage, and we'll do we'll go through and preview it, make our picks, and also make our prop bet picks. And we have six of them, six of them each that we're making as well too. So let's start whenever Kansas City has the football. So yeah, this postseason, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have combined for 38 catches on 46 targets for 509 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, last week against Buffalo, have like a good pass defense, 22 catches on 26 targets for 290 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, is there any way Tampa Bay can stop these two? No. And I think that Tampa Bay may be kind of betting on that at the same time. I think it's more of you're going to have to just get in Patrick Mahomes' head. As stupid as that may sound, I just think it's the only where, way where it's that front line for the Tampa Bay Bucks is going to have to be able to, for once, put Patrick down. You have to be able to stop him from making those quick throws. I know they're going to be able to do some type of screens to make it work. It's just, man, I have no other way because I don't think they're going to be able to stop Travis and Kelsey or Hill. I'm just one because you have to pick. If you pick, he's going to the other. That's why I think it's just impossible. Unless you're going to double team both, and I don't think they have a good enough corner. Yeah, I think Travison's a pretty good name. You said Travison accent. That's a good name. What do you think? Oh, I, I love it. Travis I mean, I and Kelsey. Travis and Kelsey. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, well, I think the problem is that with Tyreek Hill, even whenever he's like kind of quiet, having a great game because he creates so much for everybody else, just like him, like occupying multiple defenders downfield. You know, Kelsey. You can't play zone coverage against him because he's you know, kind of a genius at finding holes in the zone, and he's so good with Patrick Mahomes on those like bootleg plays where he's able to like just kind of twirl around, you know, the the zone coverage and find gaps to sit in. I love that throw too. Mahomes rolls right and then throws against the grain, um, like it always works too. And really, like it, like you mentioned, it comes down to game pressure with your front four. So the Chiefs' offensive line this week, Mike Remmers is moving to left tackle after. Eric Fisher suffered a torn Achilles. 
So that moved Andrew Wiley from right guard to right tackle. Stefan Wisniewski, come on down, who was released by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's starting at right guard. He also started on that Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl team from three seasons ago, too. At center is Austin Ryder. At left guard is Nick Allegretti. Um, my new favorite thing to say whenever an Italian's playing football, I go, if I wanted to watch an Italian play football, I'd watch the Sopranos, you know, and because uh, I'm anti-Italians in the NFL, of course. And so, like, the key for the Bucks, though... <laughs> The key for the Bucks is to be able to get pressure their front four. So they, I know they love to blitz, but this is not the the team to blitz against. So it's up to you know, Vita Vea, yeah. William Golston, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, and Dominic Sue. It's up to them to create pressure their front four. And if they do blitz, they need to do those sim pressures where they like you know drop a defensive end in coverage and then bring an outside linebacker. So you're still only bringing four, but you're just confusing who comes and who doesn't. And uh, you still have seven guys back in coverage every play, too. Man, but the more you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, you think that there is some type of shot at least being able to put Patrick, oh, especially because you bring up the offensive line injuries right now. So obviously, Tampa Bay knows that that's already coming into play. And if you can somehow be able to have Devin White be able to follow Kelsey with those short little quick passes to be able to then read the eyes of Pima Holmes. We may have a shot with, according to your point, if you're not going to send everybody, then at least rely on your front four, who have been really well. I mean, they have been doing really, really well this postseason. And I think with an injured line for Kansas City, they would be able to have a shot to be able to put Patrick Mahomes on his ass. It's it's interesting. I just think that no matter what, they're going to be able to figure it out, which is what I hate. I think it may take a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, but eventually, Patrick Mahomes is going to figure out something to get the ball out quickly in order to find that hole, to your point, because him and Kelsey, as I always like to say, love to hold hands. Oh, they do more than hold hands. I, exactly. You see that gold chain around Kelsey? Let's just say he earned it. <laughs> um, well, and also, the other thing that you mentioned that I think is very important, it's like, it's not only creating pressure against Mahomes, but it's knocking Mahomes down. It's actually sacking him. That Buffalo game, there's those two throws he made where he's just like, standing still and does this, and then the guy falls trying to tackle him. You have to hit him. You have to bring him down. You have to turn those pressures into sacks. And, like, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul has been great at that. Uh, lately, Shaq Barrett's, like, really hard to escape from, too. And just, like, those two guys, whenever they have contact or they're in his proximity, they have to bring him down in those situations. Yeah, no, no. And it's not even me to, like, jump ship here and talk about the other team, but it's like with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, for example. It's the moment that the defense starts hitting him. And it's just not even like, oh, they still got the ball out. They still were able to make a play, or even if it was an incomplete pass. But it still now makes that quarterback think, I really don't want to be on my ass again. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes, Matt, I can't really remember a time where he's been knocked on his ass. It's more like the Cleveland, well, the, the Cleveland game was the only time. Well, but even with him, it's like he's running the ball and he's putting himself in that situation, but it's not somebody's getting that constant pressure. Somebody's just pounding it down his throat. And that's what you're going to be able to have to do. And with the Chiefs offensive line, like what you were talking about, being injured, this would be the time to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just, if Patrick Mahomes is the greatest, which he could be, then he's easily going to be able to escape and then just throw bombs to Tyreek Hill for 80 yards down the field, and then it's game over. 
Yeah, and the and the hard thing about him too, it's like even the offensive line being bad, he'll just take ten step drops where he just drops back ten yards, and he has the arm strength where he can make up the difference uh, pretty easily with that. And so like, even if you get pressure, it's not only getting pressure, but now you have six yards after you win your block, and now you have to try to chase down and bring this monster down. Uh, with the he saw his ability like put the ball forty five yards off his back foot in the perfect spot too, and it's you know it's like over the course of the game it's impossible to consistently defend. But it's just understand that every every incompletion is precious and perfect, and every like third down opportunity you have is an incredible opportunity. Like it's a life saving uh, advantage that it's a life saving chance that you have whenever you get the Chiefs on third down. Like you have to turn those pressures into sacks in those situations. Well, and isn't uh, Tampa Bay they had some safeties here? Yeah, I know Antoine Winfield was hurt. They had that backup from Connecticut who played okay last week. Uh, Jordan Whitehead's gonna play again this week too. And so, like, the safety play is very important, like you just brought up. And mainly because last week, whenever, or whenever they played against each other in Week 12, the Bucks put a lot of single-high safety deep looks, which is very stupid. You can't play one safety deep against the Kansas City Chiefs because then Tyreek Kill ends up with 225 yards and three touchdowns in a single quarter um, whenever you play one single safety deep. But what the thing is is that since that game, though, Tampa Bay has really kind of turned their defense around where they're playing a lot of two high looks and they're kind of rotating from there. And so I'm expecting Tampa to play like a 4-2-5 with two safeties high for just about the entirety of the game. And they'll roll into some different stuff occasionally. But then that's been the brunt of their defense there. Um, and I have an important statistic for you because one of the things that allows the Bucks to be able to play like that is because of how good Levante David and Devin White are. Now, White has some problems in coverage, but he's such a great tackler, and you know he's such a big hitter, and White's a really great uh, coverage linebacker, but they can defend the run playing it in a nickel defense because of those two. So they're allowing only 4.36 yards in attempt uh, with only six defenders in the box. They have a successor at 37%, and their DVOA on these runs is negative 30.7%, and the Chiefs can't run the ball you know, for, for crap at all either, which is a nice way to say it. Um, but the Chief, the Bucks can just play four two five the entirety the entire game and two safeties deep. Not really worry about the Chiefs' run game or be you know run into having to play bigger boxes to open up the passing game any little bit for Kansas City in this one. No, no, I and I completely agree, and that's where I am hoping because obviously, if you want, if you listen to the show, then you know who I'm going to pick. But in the end, that's where I feel like Devin White is going to need to be able to be that guy that he's been. And that's where I feel like is going to be a big factor in this game because if he's not the one making plays, if he's not the one being able to read Mahomes' eyes, then I think that those little short, quick passes, Mahomes is going to do non-freaking-stop. And I think they're going to be able to get away with it where it's just going to be turning into a dink and dak type of situation, which brings <laughs> me also other, uh, also other point here. Do you think Kansas City's running game could kind of go off here? I don't That's think what so. I'm, I'm only feeling that because it's something no one's going to expect. Yeah. It's something where you're expecting Kansas City to do this. Tampa's expecting them to do it. So why, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you not run your running backs that you so desperately love? And you have three of them, right? And they're all great. It well, all works. Le'Veon's bad. Uh, Daryl Williams is still their best running back for whatever reason. Like, it's crazy. It's been three years, and he's still their best running back. I, I don't know about that. I'm yeah, still not he good. is. He is. Yeah, uh, I'm still not saying that. No matter what you're saying, it's – I can never – what is it? What's his last name? It's – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. There it is. He's not as good as Daryl Williams, though. It's like Hendricks, Hell. 
What's his name? Hen- no. Yeah. yeah, it's Clyde Hem- Hendricks E. Claire. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's a beautiful name. Yeah. But in the yeah. end, that's what I think that you have to be able to make a move with. I think that Kansas City needs to get that type of game going. Because to your point that you said at the very beginning, it's been awful to put it in a very nice way. But I think they're going to have to be able to do this if Tampa Bay, if they're going to be able to stop Tampa Bay from controlling the ball and certain Tom's going to control the clock. I just feel that unless Tampa or Kansas City is going to be able to score the ball extremely quickly, I think that Tom's going to be able to control the clock. So that's why I think Kansas City needs to reverse it. I think Mahomes is going to throw the ball 50 times this game. Yeah, but they could throw the ball 50 times and still be able to have some type of running game. Maybe. I just, I just can't imagine a world where they run the ball more than like 12 times unless they go up enormously and they're just trying to hang out um, and kind of squash this game there at the end. I know you mentioned the screen game. I think that's very important. And this is kind of like another reason why the Bucks can't really big blitz this game. Not only is like Mahomes the god against the blitz and like he's even better against the blitz sometimes than on nine on like against the front four pressure. But it's also like it just opens up the door for their screen game. Kind of like what you saw like last week in that stupid... God, they had so many stupid screens against Buffalo two weeks ago that I'm still upset about. Um, and then the other thing too about Tampa Bay is they have three cornerbacks. They're all the exact same. They're all the exact same player in Sean Murphy, Bunning, Carlton Davis, and Jamal Dean. They're all like six foot or six foot one, 190 pounds. And they all run a 40 and like four three, and they're not very refined, but they're really athletic. And so I think one of the things that's interesting about this game too is. Uh, is how much the referees allowed them to play physical with the Chiefs receivers. Because I think with, Ke- with with Kelsey, you want to put a cornerback on him. You don't want to play zone coverage. You don't want to put a linebacker on him unless you're just like beating him in the head at the whenever he gets off the line of scrimmage. And I think with Hill, you have to bracket coverage him. And then from there, you're like, yeah, we'll just let Brian, Byron Pringle try to beat us. Or uh, I don't believe Sam Watkins is playing this week. Or Michael Harmon beat you. But yeah, I think you have to jam Kelsey at the line of scrimmage cover him with the cornerback, and then get to bracket Tyreek Hill, and then uh, run like a lot of like kind of sim pressures from there and get pressure to the front four at times, and then kind of just pray and pray and pray from there. Matt, that's actually, you brought up something I wanted to, I wanted to talk about before we, I jump in. How much did you love that the refs swallowed their whistles? I loved it. That's football. Oh my Lord, that was amazing to watch. And just even at the end when people were complaining to with Tampa and Green Bay, sorry to jump back there, Yeah, but they were complaining about the refs. No, no, Aaron Rodgers had the ball three times after Tom Beatty threw three picks. So there was still the shot for him. You can't rely on the refs. And for once, there's nothing that's being questioned because they're not calling a damn thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Now let me jump back into this. So the screen game where I think that it's just unfair. Dude, the Kansas City Chiefs to also jump back last week with Hardman. Oh, my God. How adorable was that? Yeah, you saw that Where, vi- that moment. He's like, Miko, oh, cut it out. We've been here before. Every second of it. Because it's just, you guys are can go to hell. I want my team to act like that around each other. I want them to be like, Hey, you fumble the ball. Who gives a damn? We, you still need to make a play. Who cares? Oh, we're also going to make sure that you score the next touchdown to then give you the confidence. Yeah, one That's carry ridiculous. for 50 yards. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's what well, like that's what leadership is right there. You know what I mean? That's what like everybody wants leadership be like, come on, go to suck it up, you know, and, and yeah. calling you know, calling people names, but that's what leadership is, you know, it's about bringing up others. 
Exactly. And all Patrick Mahomes really did was nothing special. Just going up the guy's like, stop. Hey, I, this is the first play. Who cares? We need you right now. It was nothing special. It was just acknowledging the guy, tell him he, telling him not be down on himself. And you kind of forced the ball to him, which is even more scary for the Kansas City in their screen game. They could force the ball to whoever they want and set up the play however they need it to be. Oh, we need to get this guy going. We forgot about you. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to get a 20-yard catch and play. It's This team scares the bejeebers out of me. Yeah, they're horrifying. Uh, well, you know that you know it's very important about leading like that. Is that's what the Illuminati doesn't want you to do? They don't want you to encourage and lift up others. They want you to berate and belittle others, you know, and tear each other down to create conflict and to to create conflict and again keep us operating yep. at a lower brain frequency. A lower brain frequency. You sound so, like so um, you can buy the green ketchup. Nick Cage right now, Illuminati. We're gonna look at a dollar bill right now. Let oh, me see. The- yeah, they should make oh. it. They should make a national treasure about the Illuminati. That's what national treasure was about. The first one? Yes. I didn't get that at all. I mean, I get that. That's what it was about. I know they talk about the Masons and stuff, but. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. It's not, it's not <laughs> super Illuminati. Or how about... Is it the Illuminati or is it the Masons that they're referring to? I thought it was Illuminati. We, no, we already came up for the best idea for national treasure three. It's about the tomb of Genghis Khan when he's in Mongolia. Because they never found Genghis Khan's tomb. He's out there somewhere in the flatlands, you know? And so it's called the Wrath of Khan. No, I'm not lying. Nobody, no, nobody knows where Genghis Khan's buried. So hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that that is a real, true history yes. fact. And yet, Hollywood hasn't made a movie of that. Yes. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We need to write that script right now. We can. We would make we can. We try. I try to write it when I was in California, and we had trouble. Uh, you try to write it. Who do, you, who do you think you are? Well, I, 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 we tried. We had the idea. Yeah, I moved to California. Had to try to write a screenplay. Uh, we got the working title. We got the idea of it, and we wrote zero pages of it because of a conflict of interest and a disagreement on where we thought the story should go. But hey, you and I can write that this summer. We can knock you on a day. I don't want to talk to you. You just said you're better than me because you're in L.A. now. I'm not in God, L.A. I, I'm, I'm what, south you made, of you. You made it big, man. I get it. You made it big. You leaving me behind. No, I left you behind. I came back in your arms. That's, That's what happened. True. That's what happened. I, uh, I, you came in my arms. So the last thing I have to say about the Chiefs offense is that watch out for how wild Andy Reid's going to get. Remember last year when they ran that stupid two-yard touchdown play they line up and they clap and they all go some bizarre formation. Like he's going to do some weird kind of funky things. And it's always kind of a fun thing to watch for. And you know, in the, like he learned how to not be a coward. He went through the hero's journey, kind of figured out the truths of going for and fourth down, how to manage the clock and those sorts of things. And so the kind of the funky things that Andy Reid loves to do is going to be a fun thing to watch for in this game too. You know how great I think Andy Reid is. I think he has a, a whole, a bookshelf of binders of each week of the NFL season. And then he says, oh, it's Super Bowl week. And he pulls out this Super Bowl binder where he only has special plays for a Super Bowl Sunday. Is this a real thing? You know what? (laughs) Look, you're even like convinced by it. See, it could be. And you wouldn't be surprised. That's how good I think Andy Reid is. Is I think there's just a Super Bowl. Oh, here it is. 
uh, uh, yeah, let me get these plays out. And it's plays that nobody's allowed to see unless you're in Super Bowl Sunday. I like that idea. I, I, can, I think he has that as well. Or it's like he has a bookshelf, and then you flip down one book, and it opens up a secret passage. And that's where all the Super Bowl, that's where the Super Bowl offense is. It's located back that there. Would get, and he's only allowed to pull that book. if, And it says on the title of the, the spine, if you make it. No, the title of the book's probably like, uh, I don't know, Good Housekeeping, 19, Fall 1987, you know? You might as well have said Sewing for Dummies is the book that Perfect. he pulls. It has to be oh, something okay. very obscure, you know, like it's a secret. You know, you can't put If You Make It. That's too intriguing. I'm pulling that book at any retail's. If you make it, you're going to pull that book. Yes. If it's just a fine and normal lettering, you're going to pull that book. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by that. Good Housekeeping, yeah. Fall 1987. I'm not touching that. <laughs> nope, not touching it. I don't care who's on the cover. I'm not touching it. God, I'm sewing for dummies. <laughs> not touching that either. Look at these hands. Look how cute these hands are. They can't be ruined with sewing needles. Those hands look like uh, a dwarf's hands, and you're hot. <laughs> well, yeah, they're covered in green ketchup right now, also, so they're a little off-putting at the moment. Um, I'm so when Kansas City has the football, Tom Brady this postseason, sixty for one hundred nine, fifty-five percent completion percentage, eight hundred sixty yards, seven point eight yards in attempt, seven touchdowns to three interceptions. And um, we all know kind of the weakness of the Chiefs; it's their run defense. Leonard Fournette this postseason, 48 carries, 211 yards, 4.39 yards in attempt, two touchdowns. He had that really sick spin move against Green Bay two weeks ago. Um, you know, it's a it's a very important part, I guess, of this game in some weird way. And also Ronald, Ronald Jones as well, like that quadriceps injury having two weeks off. Maybe he'll be back and ready to play. I know Antonio Brown's be healthy this week too. So the 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 Bucks offense is at like full, ready to go. Um Ready to play. They're all healthy. The only injury they have is Stimmy replacing or replacing right guard over there for uh, Alex Kappa. And Stimmy's played pretty well last week, too. He hasn't really been that much of a negative either. So the Bucks are at full health, and they're going against the Kansas City defense. Do you buy the Chiefs' defensive performance these last two weeks of the postseason as being real, as a, a switch being flipped? Or do you think that's all going to kind of fall apart against Tampa Bay on the Super Bowl this Sunday? I'm actually going to answer your question with a question back to you. Damn it. Do you think the City Chiefs defense was impressive against Josh Allen, or do you think it was Josh Allen not knowing how to play football for the first three quarters? I think they were impressive. I think the biggest thing they did was... Really? Yeah. See, I was... Come on. Don't give them any credit. I didn't think nothing that they did was impressive. I really didn't. <sighs> I thought it was Josh not playing well. I, I will, think that's not I, even insulting him. I, I think he I just... Watched... I watched a video of it, and like I really think the biggest thing the Chiefs did was in that first half. Why? They played a lot of zone coverage, and instead oh of uh. playing a ton of man, and like watching like the Bills' offensive game plan, they ran a lot of isolation routes, and like these isolation routes aren't very good to running in zone coverage. And a lot of their stuff was kind of picked up in the second half. They started running more of their crossing stuff and more of their zone their zone overfloating stuff, and they moved the ball out better in the second half because of it. And they also created a lot of free rushers in that first half, and like. As much as I hate Tyron Matthew, him slapping away Josh Allen's bull rush and then hitting him on that forced intentional ground penalty was pretty was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. 
uh, as well too. Not talk about Dr. Matthew. He doesn't like you, man. You're not allowed. You're blocked. I can't say anything right? you to him. You are blocked from ever sending that man a message. You cannot talk about him. I know, but I'm saying I guess like the biggest things they kind of changed up their offense for Allen, where they're expecting a lot of man coverage. They didn't get man coverage, and it took them, you know, two quarters or so. Again, like Allen was a little nervous. He wasn't ready, and it took him some time to figure it out. But it's not like you know Baker exactly. had, to, had to make some really tough throws in their other performance against him. Their run defense played pretty well. Um, against Chubb and Hunt in the divisional round game too, so I don't know. Like their their defense has been very good the last two weeks, but it's it's like really has like jumped a whole like you know three stories upwards since then in the regular season though in the postseason so far. I don't think it's jumped anywhere. I think it's just people kind of being overwhelmed with who they're going up against on the offensive side, and they try to do so- too much, and then they get caught in the trap. There we go. And it's because if you're that quarterback on the other team, it's like what I told you from the start. You have to be able to go in there saying, I have to score every single time. I have to be able to score. And if I do not score, then I'm going to lose this game. Because Patrick Mahomes, every time he touches the ball, is going to lose. That's what it's coming down to. And when it comes now with the other team and Tom Brady, that's going to be an entirely different story. Because the moment Kansas City is running a type of defense, how long is it going to take Tom to be able to figure it out? Plain and simple, how long do you think it's going to take? Three quarters? I don't think so. No, I think he'll kind of know right away. But the one thing Kansas City does that's like super annoying is that they always show something pre-snap, and then post-snap they give you something entirely different. It's like every time the ball is snapped, it's like Steve Spagnuolo kicks an anthill over, and they all kind of spread to different places of the field. And it's really hard to have any sort of you know, good feel before the snap of what they're running, what they're not running you know, in those situations too. Um, one of the things I really like watching about the Chiefs defense, like in accordance with that, is I really love their three safety sets with Sorensen, Matthew, and Juan Thornhill. And so I'm kind of interested to see how much they're going to play those three safety sets. Um, this week against like Tampa Bay, plays like a really good spread passing game. and uh, But they're like, Tampa Bay's offense is weird because either spread or heavy. And then they can still throw the ball deep from heavy. And they like to use those condensed formations because they create space down the field uh, by you're running routes like closer to the football. So you have more space for your fade routes and that sort of thing. So like, there is a real dichotomy there. So I don't know, it's interesting to see how much uh, Kansas City actually uses those three safety sets this week in this one. And for me, I think it's going to be this season. If you're Kansas City's defense, you, I would just kind of sell out here. I would just try to stop the run. And that's all I would really try to focus on. And that's just because Tom, if Tom controls the clock, this game is done. And I understand Patrick Holmes on how great he is of being able to score in 30 freaking seconds every single time. It's just if Tom is able to have some type of running game, then there's no way you're going to be able to beat him. I just think that's what it comes down to. And if you're then forcing Tom to be able to throw the ball, throw the bombs downfield, Rely on those receivers. You know, Godwin drops a lot. Yeah, Evans too. Yeah, and I actually, everyone tries to talk about how Tom went to a loaded team, that these receivers were great. I'm watching some of their plays. I go, that's not on Tom. That's not on Tom either. And that's what I was saying about Jameis Winston last year too. Okay, well, that's a little different, considering that Jameis Hey, 2021 Houston Texans quarterback, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston truly said, you know what? If you're not going to catch the ball, then I'm going to make somebody else catch the ball. Like, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. That's not a great point. It's not a good point. I never thought of that before. That's a great point. 
Uh, what's kind of, what my kind of favorite thing now is with the Houston Texans isn't who you would trade Deshaun Watson for, which the only right answer is Justin Herbert. But I don't know if the Chargers even do that. But it's uh, it's uh, who is going to play at quarterback for the Houston Texans in 2021 if Deshaun Watson sits out. And Jameis Winston's my number one favorite player to do that this year. Drew Brees turned to Jameis Winston and said, this is your team now. What the hell are you talking about? Jameis Winston is spoken for. Did you not see I don't, I don't that, believe it. that touchdown pass that he just threw in the playoffs? Everybody's like, oh, Jameis is the next guy. I, you know what he was saying, though? He didn't, he didn't say that. <laughs> Taylor, he didn't say that. He said, let's go get some ice cream is what he was saying. <laughs> and Jameis said, no, I want crab legs. That's what happened. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know a great crab ice cream place down the road. It's like, it's not the same, Drew. That's not, we're not going there, Drew. I don't want to go there anymore. All Drew probably said is, I know a great flat tire place. Ooh, too bad they can't ever fix his car. Ooh. Now, I still understand the Jameis Crab Lake story, too. Maybe, like, you know, girl he was talking to him was like, uh, you know, say, telling him that she has crabs. He's like, oh, she must love crabs. So he went to go steal some crab legs for her. And that's what happened there. If you really want my honest opinion on what happened, he got high. He went and forgot to buy it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> if, you want, like, if you want my honest opinion on what I think the guy did, because I don't think James is a smart guy by any means. I think he just got high, went to the store, got crab legs, said, all right, cool, I'm done. And then walked out, not thinking anything. And then you have to pay it. Oh, damn it. That's what I think happened. And it's because he's Jameis is the reason why he got so much coverage. Um, he's probably so used to just like F. Florida State being able to have whatever he wanted, wanted all the time. And all of a sudden he was in Tallahassee. He was in a different state. He's like, oh, stuff isn't free here? I have to buy things? He was very confused by the idea. Money? What's money? Wait, there's a such thing as... Yeah, exactly. But... um. So I, I think the one thing for this game for Brady is that Kansas City's a big blitz team. They are they have the fifth highest blitz rate at thirty five percent. They have the highest big blitz rate at fifteen percent, which means sending six more blitzers. Brady's not that good against the blitz because he can't move it all. He stays in one place every time he gets to the snap. And the one weird thing about Brady is that whenever he gets blitz, he doesn't like hit the hot route or throw it short. He just closes his eyes and just throws it downfield and doesn't care at all. And it's like he threw three interceptions last week because of that. Well, one went off Mike Evans's hand because it was too high, but he threw two other interceptions. Just be like, ah, just throw it 35 yards. Because Mike Evans is 6'6", six, six, and he can't catch up. I'm sorry, man, but Mike Evans, dude, what are you – you want to be big bad dog on the field. You want to be big bad receiver compared to all these other guys. You know, it's been disappointing, Mike Evans and God. I'm going to go back to that. I have never been so shocked with being like, oh, well, Tom's going to be the one that's going to be able to make the bad throws. He's old, 43, not going to be able to do it, this, this. His receivers let him down. Like, what the hell? And it's the weirdest thing to see because, once again, Mike Evans is 6'6". If I throw a ball up in the air, you better freaking catch it. I don't care who's on you. You are 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, do you know that? You know how tall A.J. Brown is? Isn't he 6'4"? He's 6'5". Six six no, Isn't he's not. Isn't that insane? No, he's not. Cause I th- he's only 6'. He looks like he's like 6'7 out there, though. He looks enormous. What? That's wild, right? That's weird. Yeah, isn't that weird? Is it 
where you just look at me and you're like, wow, Taylor, you're gigantic. <laughs> that, chari- you- that charisma just makes you look a lot taller. Yeah, and then when you walk up to me, you're like, oh, you're only five feet. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, so the one, the, the thing, I guess, like for Tampa Bay being able to counteract the Chiefs big, like big blitz game, I really think it's two things. Like one, AJ Brown, just like running drag routes Two or I guess three things Two, They like to run those like reverse passes to Chris Godwin and jet sweeps. Those work pretty well. Also, and same thing to not AJ Brown, by Antonio Brown. Uh, and they like to run those like jet sweeps with those two players too. But the third thing that play that they ran really well against Green Bay was they had Gronk block for that entire game or just run up the seam. That was all he was doing. But then they had that they ran that one uh, title screen to the interior of the field. They got like 29 yards for him. That created like their last like point drive that gave them 31. And that was a great play call. He picked up 29 yards. And so I could see them running more of those tunnel screens against Kansas City and get those big fat guys against those safeties at the field and be able to create like a tunnel um, along the interior of the field. Like, you know, like I'm saying like run screens not to the sideline, but through along the seam. I think it's another chance that Tampa Bay has to be able to counteract the Kansas City Blitz game because that's the big weakness Tampa Bay's offense has against Kansas City in this game is that um, how good of a blitz team the Chiefs are. I do want to comment on the blitz thing, but I'm sorry. I got to keep talking about the reality TV gossip here. So with Scotty Miller versus Tyreek Hill, do you would you love? And this is just my honest. Tyreek could outrun him backwards easily, but would you love for the halftime if they did that instead of me watching the weekend? Well, it depends on how many times you've seen that weekend commercial. If you're MK Ultra or not, you know. Okay. No. No. That's no. <laughs> So if you have not seen the weekend commercial, I would say, yeah, I would pick the race. But if I, but since I'm MK Ultra after hearing that jingle 75 times, I would pick the weekend halftime show. Oh my, this is ridiculous. I'm brainwashed. You are brainwashed. You need to stop falling down rabbit holes. Watch cartoons. I'm so I can't help it when the when I when the TV's brainwashed me. That's why you have to just stick with reality TV show which is the garbage that Bravo shows or cartoons. I don't think you can go anywhere else at this point in life. Otherwise, you're falling down some type of hole where you're going to question things. Well, since I've settled into this new life, I I did watch The Bachelor on Monday. And uh, all the kissing is disgusting. There's too much kissing. And like the way they kiss, too, is just like... It's it's like watching a cat lick himself. And then does the same thing. Yeah. Getting that other person, this is unhealthy. Yeah, it's a it's a cesspool. All the kissing I, really turns me off from that show. I completely agree. All right, to jump back, you know, I just I really have no faith in even the blitzing being able to be a factor with Tom, and that's just because with his O line being healthy and him getting the ball out within two seconds, I think the only thing that's truly going to be able to phase him is if the running game is not working. Or if his receivers are dropping balls. Yeah. Those two things are working against him. Then he's going to really struggle. And I think that the three touchdowns, I'll put it this way. He can't throw three picks against Kansas City. Because if he does that, then they lose. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I don't, but I don't think Brady's picks are really that big of a deal. Because they're all just punts. You know what I mean? Because right, Aaron Rodgers is so terrible. He scored zero points. Yeah. Against I, but I mean, like, pass. his interceptions were like, 40 yards down the field. You know, they're pretty much punts. Or zero points is what you got out of three turnovers <laughs> Tom Brady. Zero. Can you see this, Matt? It's zero. It's a big zero. But, well, I mean, like, those are all, like, they, they didn't start with a great field position after. They were just punts. They had the ball back at the 30-yard line. It's And they were also, like, in, on third downs. So they didn't really kind of change the game at all. 
um, because of that too. But yeah, I agree. Like he can't throw three picks against Kansas City. You know, even if they are kind of the situation they were, you know, two weeks ago too. So do you think Tampa Bay's gonna be able to run the ball this week? Because they've had problems doing it. They're a really bad outside zone team. They I don't know why they run outside zone as much as they do. Um, so I'm I'm kind of concerned about how well they're gonna be able to run the ball. And like Kansas City has a pretty good defensive line. Their linebacker play is crap. And so it's just like just block the first level. If you can block the first level, you should be able to run the ball pretty well. And uh, like Fournette and Jones have to be barbaric in this game, you know. All right, dude. I'm gonna call something right now. All right. I'm t- 16 rushes. I'm talking 93 yards from Leonard Fournette. All right. How many for Jones? Uh, Jones, I don't. I don't. 10 care. for 45. Yes. Yes. Something around. Yes. I was gonna say it's under 50 either way, but he's probably gonna have about eight to 10. But no. I think Fournette's going to be the big factor in this game, and Fournette's going to be the one that has to be able to go off. Because he's the one, not to say Jones is bad by any means, and I think that in the, I think no matter what, Jones should be better than Fournette. Yeah, I Fournette think the injury hurt him, though. Jones I, I think, was better than Fournette during the year, and it's kind of flipped now. Well, Fournette just seems like he cares more, that he's tougher. Like, that's where maybe you're right on the injury. It just seems like Fournette wants it more. Where he's out there, yeah, even there we go. Guys, everybody's just wanting to get at it. It's it's interesting to watch, especially with last game because Fournette was talking. What's and, uh what's the name of that Spider-Man villain who wears the like loincloth, the cheetah loincloth, who's the hunter or whatever? Oh my God, Craven the Hunter. That's that's that. Leonard Fournette. If he can be Craven the Hunter, then Tampa Bay is going to win the game. That's so easy to say. I love me some Craven the Hunter. That should be the next Spider-Man villain. It's not even close. If he was hunting Spider-Man while Spider-Man was trying to track down another villain, oh my god! And they can make Craven the Hunter like going hunting with the Donald Trump Juniors in Africa and killing lions and stuff as you well too. Everything. You know you ruin everything, right? I'm trying to just have a normal conversation. We're having a good time. No, you ruin it. Uh, well, so like the Chiefs have really only lost one game this year. They lost to the Chargers in Week 17, a game that didn't matter. And they lost to the Raiders earlier this year. And that loss to the Raiders, this is kind of like how I think the Bucks have to win this game too. The Raiders ran the ball 35 times for 144 yards to two touchdowns. Derek Carr had completions of 59 yards, 72 yards, and 42 yards. And really what they did was they ran the ball and was able to create big boxes that Kansas City had to line up in to be able to stop the run. And they ran play action off of it. And, you know, Vegas, similar to Tampa Bay, has a really great pass-blocking offensive line. And so Kansas City, a big blitz against it to try to stop the run or on these passing downs. And then we get beat deep against one safety deep on these deep passing chances to you know, Nelson Algalore and, uh, and Hunter Renfro and Jerry Judy, not Jerry Judy, but uh, Ruggs. And so like the... Bucks have better wide receivers. They have a similar level of offensive line too. They don't run the ball nearly as well as Vegas did this year, um, in general. But like, if if Tampa Bay can run the ball like thirty times this game, and then be able to create bigger boxes to set up their play action downfield passing game, like I think they could score, you know, thirty five points, whatever it is that they need to do. But this turns into a game where Brady's constantly the shotgun, you know, and he's like thirty for fifty five or twenty five for fifty, like he's been this postseason. I think that really kind of turns this game around. And now you're playing a shootout against like a really good pass offense against the greatest passing offense of all time. 
and like the Chiefs win those games in those situations. But you know, the Bucks have to use their offense to create the situational football, like you have alluded to, where Tom Brady has to control the clock in this game. And I and I completely agree. Like I think the run game is imperative for Tampa Bay, and their run game has to have their play action deep passing game to create those single high looks, those big block, those big boxes necessary to open up those throws downfield for them. Well, that's actually kind of you bring up a great point. So, do you think that John Gruden or Tom would talk to each other beforehand? I think so. Yeah, me too. Which is why I bring up a little bit of a point. Tommy! Tommy, you're my guy! I love you! I just think that there's a little bit of that going on. So, if you be able to have John Gruden give you that call, or you call John Gruden, because Bruce Arians ain't going to do it. I mean, you could, he can also just watch the video of it, too, and he would know what they did also that game. True. But you know, you know what? Actually, I'm going to say this thing. I agree with you, which is why John is probably the one making the phone call. And Tom's going to pick up that phone call. Yeah. And then they're going to talk. And I, it's interesting to say that Oakland Raiders were the ones that gave the Kansas City Chiefs the most trouble. Twice this year. Twice. And, and well, it's because you would think, oh, Kansas City may not have carried that first game, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. They carried that second game. Because they didn't want to be able to have that type of mindset going up against the Oakland Raiders thinking that, oh, they don't have an edge against us. Yeah. Oakland does, though. And it's really bizarre to see, which is why I think that maybe Gruden figured out something, somebody figured out something. If you tell Tom or Tom's going to be able to see, Tom's going to be able to figure this out. Yeah. And it's just coming down to, to your point and to my point. If he controls the clock, I just don't think that Kansas City is going to be able to do anything, especially if that defense is able to get Mahomes off the field. This is why this is probably my greatest Super Bowl I could ever think of. I don't really know who's going to be able to win because it's each team having to play certain factors in order to gain the advantage over the other. But in the end, both teams' quarterbacks could just pull it out of their ass. We're, you know, No matter who wins this game, America's a winner. This week. I agree. It, and it's this easy. Oh, Tom Brady lost. Oh, it's the old man handing the torch to the young buck saying, it's now you're up. And then if Tom Brady wins, it's, you're still not good enough, Patty. Still can't beat the best. Well, Which, well it's funny too, because like Tom beats Patrick. He has seven. They're probably never going to see each other again. If he beats him at age 43, let's say Mahomes wins 10 Super Bowls, be like, yeah, he still didn't beat Brady, though. Still didn't beat Brady. And here's also going back to my other thing. This also plays a big factor into Tom Brady winning this game this week. And I don't want to jinx it. I'm going to knock on wood here, but this is why. Who big-name quarterback has Tom Brady lost to in the Super Bowl? Uh, Nick Foles, Eli That's Manning. Quarterback. Who does he lose to? Eli he Manning. Loses to he loses to the guys that you don't expect to ever be able to do anything. He loses so- to the NFC East. That, yes, yes, he does. But that's the thing. He is going to have to beat someone who is automatically great already. So he, Win- beat, he beat Kurt Warner, huh? Donovan McNabb, Keep going, baby. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, uh, Jake DeLome, Matt Ryan. and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. The best quarterback yeah. out of that batch, there you go. Jake DeLome. What are you talking about? Russell Wilson. <laughs> I would like to go back and watch that Super Bowl, uh, the Panthers one, because that was a great one. And they lost that game because the kicker kicked it out of bounds. And the Patriots started the 40-yard line. Then 30 yards later, they kicked that game-winning field goal. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I agree with you too. I think there's a lot of levels to this game. Like I have a good feel for it all. I think we're all winners for it. I think it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, I have one last question though for you: Is Tom Brady the Patriot way? What do you mean by it? So they always talk about the New England Patriots, like, oh, it's the Patriot way. This, it's the Patriot way. That is yeah, Tom pa- Brady the Patriot way. What's Patriot way to you? Uh, doing your job, caring about your teammates, loving one another, getting the uh, getting the most out of your all time great quarterback because he takes a pay cut because you're secretly paying him thirty million dollars to hit the table, and understanding what sunk cost is, getting as many draft picks as possible, and not paying too much for bad players. By the way, I still disagree when it comes to that and him being paid on the table. It's only because if your wife makes a hundred million dollars, that's also that, true too. Yeah, like, but who who's paying happen? his wife hundred million dollars? Tom Kraft. Well, no, she's like the biggest still. You know that, right? She has to own some type of share or some type of something because she still makes that's money. Crazy. Yes, it is very crazy, but yet. She still makes like $80 million a year. And I don't even know how because she doesn't model anymore. She just makes that money just because she's like Tony Stark in the Avengers. Well, I was once a part of the team, so I'm going to be paid forever. That's what it is. I think but, Robert Kraft is paying her $45 million of that. To give him a massage? You make sick. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> Robert, I, Robert Kraft gets his massages from... Uh, you know, sex traffic slave labor from China instead. And children. Moving on. Yeah. Now, from, and, and he has green ketchup all over his body whenever he gets these I massages. Don't want to talk about the ketchup thing. This is insane. I'm not falling down the rabbit holes. I'm not doing it. You're not selling me on this. But what I do want to say about Tom, I think the Patriots way is a myth. I think it's just all a bunch of baloney. I think it's the Tom way. I think it's the Tom, I want to play with you way. I think it's the, I want to be around Tom Brady way. I don't think the Patriots thing is anything. And it's this easy. Because Bill Belichick is the worst draft GM on planet Earth. Their drafting is disgusting. They can't draft a wide receiver at all. They can't do anything when it comes to drafting anything on offense. They are terrible. They're great on defense, though, and offensive line. Yeah, great. Nothing when it comes to weapons because he cannot any... He doesn't. He can't scout a wide receiver to save his life. And also with Tom Brady, he picked him in the sixth round. He doesn't know. He knows nothing. When well, that, comes that's to- kind of the point, though. They just give as many draft picks as possible so they can figure out who's good after the fact. That's exactly. I'm going to throw like, Yeah, it's a lottery. I'm hoping that something's going to stick. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, what's kind of funny is like, this is what you're missing out on Twitter. And you did make a Twitter this week because you're a coward. And no, the boy lover, 69420. We'll make it on Sunday then. Uh, but what's fine is like you'll be on Twitter. Sitting right next to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm front. Yeah, we can tweet at each other the entire game instead. But what's funny is like being, you know, being on Twitter, like talking to Patriots people, like over the course of like you know the years I've done this, they all still talk themselves into Jarrett Stidham and Keneal Harry. They're not going to happen. Move on. They're not happening. Why are you trying to convince yourself of? Jarek Stenham, why why are you doing this to yourself? I'm no, not, I don't do it to my son, so they do it to themselves because they're mentally ill uh, Patriots fans. And it's because with Patriots fans, it's kind of disgusting in a way because just admit it, you're LeBron fans. You're bandwagoners. Just hang out. It's okay. You're not really New England fans. 
And the ones that say that they are usually keep their mouths shut at this point. But the ones that are true say they're Tom Brady because, again, they're all bandwagon. All Patriots fans, bandwagoners. Keep it down. I'm, I'm glad that we're in agreement that Cam Newton's done because I've seen some Cam Newton needs another shot next year arguments, and he's done. He's toast. Cam Newton had a shot. Yeah, That's and he was bad. Shot. Yeah. He, no, no, no. He had a shot. Oh, what if Cam had everything, every type of teammate you could ever want in his life, then Cam would be good? Is that what people are trying to argue? I think he so. He didn't have the correct <laughs> team around him, but the 42-year-old did. That makes perfect sense. And they built, I mean, they were a rugby team this year because Cam can't throw the ball past like seven yards of these for consistency exactly. either. All right, so what's your pick for this game? Uh, the line is three and a half. doesn't matter if the line is three and a half or not. I have the Tampa Bay, or I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have them at 33. I have the Kansas City Chiefs. At 29. All right. So I have Chiefs 34, Bucks 30. If the line was like five, I would have gone Bucks, but I'm just going to go with the all-time great passing offense. But I'm not, I would not be surprised if the Bucks win this game at all. I would not be surprised by really any outcome unless it's a blowout right. either way. Like I could I, see the Chiefs blowing out the Bucks. I could see the Chiefs winning close. I could see the Bucks winning, you know, by anywhere between like zero and like ten points, and I wouldn't be surprised. But like a Bucks blowout would be the uh, the only thing that would really surprise me in this game. I completely agree, and I think the only type of Bucks blowout you're going to see is like what we talked about. Is First that snap just- over Patrick Mahomes' head. Yeah, yeah, it's something like ridiculous where Kansas City is going to have to catch all the way back up. I just Devin White murders Patrick Mahomes, and Chad Henney comes in and throws seven interceptions. Oh my God, that's something that could actually happen. I'm not going to say that. Devin White's a monster. He scares me. I'm glad I don't play professional football. He's a scary. The moment, it's this easy. The moment that you saw Kamara going up against Devin White and Kamara looked at Devin White and said, oh shit. And then Devin White tackled him by himself. You immediately should say, that's not a normal human being. Again, Kamara pulled 18 wheelers in the offseason, and Devin Wine just said, You're my bitch. Devin, but <laughs> guess who wasn't guess who wasn't driving the 18 wheeler? Devin White wasn't. No, it's because Devin White was pulling two 18 wheelers. Uh, well, well, like also like him and the Bucks, like they hit and they knocked Aaron Jones out of that game, the NFC Championship game. Like Aaron Jones didn't want to play football. But they hurt. He, he, exactly he quit. Right. He quit after the third quarter. He's like, I'm done. Jamal yeah. Williams, I love Jamal Williams, though. Jamal Williams loves playing football. Love that it, guy. But, I mean, that's the thing about this Bucks defense. Even if you, like, get – even if Patrick Mahomes gets his long ball touchdown pass, if you hit him hard enough – And they will. They hit. Yes. And he'll think about that next one. That's what's scary about the Bucks defense versus the Kansas City defense. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like, I hope the Bucks win. I'm gonna be rooting for the Bucks after I have my four kombuchas. I hope that they end up winning, but I just Who think the Bucks. I'm just going with the Chiefs. You know, I think the Chiefs are gonna win. But how are you rooting for the Bucks? Because wouldn't this go against your entire theory of Jameis? See, no, Tom, not at all. Jameis couldn't win with this team. My theory, of Jameis, was that. They were, they were going to be a playoff team next year. I picked the Bucks to be a playoff team next year at the end of last season. 
and then they had to go and get Tom Brady kind of ruined that hypothesis. I know it doesn't count. I said, and that's what I said at the time, like, well, they ruined this for me. Jameis would take the same in the playoffs instead of in the Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. So I was kind of right. This would be a playoff team if Jameis was the quarterback. Yeah, kind of is not good enough. Yeah. So, all right, I have my six prop bets. You want to hear them? Yeah, what are they? So I have tails never fails. I have over Tyreek Hill, 90.5 receiving yards. I have Tampa Bay scoring first. I think there will be a missed field goal. I have over 56.6 points scored. And I have over Travis Kelsey, seven and a half receptions. All right. So I have what will be the primary color of Patrick Mahomes headband? I have red. I have what will Andy Reid's mask design be? I have a single color, no okay. logo. I have what will be the Gatorade color? I have yellow. I have how long will be the national anthem? I have under three minutes. Under three? Under three. I thought it was two was the under for that one. I'm going to put under three, though. I don't All care. All right. Okay. How many times will Donald Trump be mentioned? I have over I have over one. Okay. And how many am I at, by the way? That's five. Okay. I gotta make this one good. How many times will Tony Romo mention his kids' children? I have it at over one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but the bet's point five right now, by the way. Let's put our let's put let's put a thousand dollars on that. We should bet a thousand dollars on that. He loves his kids. He loves them. He so always much. talks about his kids. Yeah, easily. How is that? How is it point five? How? What, how do you even get point? Yeah. Five? Does he say like? Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't My know. child, because it says kids slash children, so it has to have an S. Oh, okay. Plural. That would be some bull crap. Oh, I'm sorry. It was singular. Mm, I don't like that very much. How about Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and then says, this one's for you, Donald, and then the whole world erupts afterwards? How many times will Joe Biden tweet during the game under his .5, over his .5? What? I think he'll tweet once. He'll be like, wow, great effort from both these teams. He's going to tweet once saying, I love baseball. <laughs> There's no way he runs his Twitter account either. Somebody else does for him. And he's so amazing. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> Wow, the game of football really takes me, the game of hockey really takes me back to a great spot in my youth in Pennsylvania. I love when I was on the ice running second base. <laughs> Very, I like that a lot more. It reminds me of that, do you remember the Dumb Bunnies book? What's the Dumb Bunnies book? It was just a like, children's book about these like this family of bunnies and like, like they all everything's just mixed together into a bunch of nonsense. And they had one where like the Dumb Bunnies play sports and they're like, you know, shooting, uh, like throwing a basketball through a volleyball net and stuff like that. I did not read those books. I read a very household family that was intelligent in the Bernstein Bears. That's what I, I was like reading. the Bernstein Bears. Of course you did. Who didn't like the Bernstein Bears? They were a wholesome family. They knew what was up. I like the mom's hat. She was, she was always in her nightgown, too. Yeah, by the way, I always thought the dad was better than the mom. I was like, dude, why'd you marry her? You could do yeah, better. Yeah, she never got dressed at all. She didn't do anything. She just complained the entire time. He's like, I just got back from work. 
why do you expect me to do everything? What the hell is that? I liked his overalls too. You are right. He had a good hat. He's a good Papa Bear. Yeah, it's a good brown hat. But we're we're just joking around. I just hope. Uh, look, we're gonna have a good game. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, regardless of you know, I hope Joe Biden enjoys the game as well too. I hope everybody enjoys the game. I hope we all have a very nice time on Sunday. And I think it's gonna be a very great, very beautiful football game. And you know, I'm very excited for this one. I'm glad you're getting very. I'm glad you're in the Super Bowl that you wanted, Taylor. I got everything I wanted, man. I'm the one that won in the end because this is about Taylor. I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand. This is my world. I'm just (laughs) in my bubble. That's it. I I am proud of us for going into week one of the postseason. We both picked the Bucks from the NFC just because (laughs) based on the idea that they're the one team that the Packers don't want to play. We were right. This yep. is this is hard hard hitting hardcore. This is hardcore uh, football analysis here. I will say, for once in our lives, I think we were right about quite a bit this season. Yeah, we did a good job. We're, I don't think we were right about or wrong about a lot of things. I mean, even for God's sakes, I picked the Cleveland thing right. Yeah, that's how you know it's bad. And you didn't even think there was gonna be a football season. We didn't even do our big preview this year either. Yeah, and it's um, NFL knew how to do it better than anybody because they hide it. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so that's our show for tonight. I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl next week. I guess next week we'll do our award show and we can review our season predictions as well too. Wrap that up, and then we have a special Valentine's show as well. I have an idea for where we can do our favorite free at, free agent matches. You know, we play matchmaker pick our favorite spots for certain free agents to go to, like Jadavia and Clowney going to the Los Angeles Rams and things like that. And then we'll talk about the offseason free agency as it comes up here pretty close. We're already, I guess, about a month away from free agency too. I feel like you're trying to ask me out on Valentine's Day, and it's a little awkward right now. I just don't know how I feel about you trying to make these plans ahead of time. Well, I like- we were recorded on like the 12th and then set it for Monday, you know? Nope, it's got to be on Valentine's Day. We you have want to, to record it. Valentine's Day? I, I'm going to be up in New Braunfels that day. Why? Uh, picking something up. What are you picking up? Don't worry about it. Why can't I worry about it? I want to know. Well, you have to work that day, though. I don't care. I'm down to hang out. What are you picking up? <laughs> Let's go together. <laughs> All right, we can go together. Uh, well, she's listening through the window. I can't, I can't say what I'm doing, but I got to pick something up on Sunday. Uh, is it, uh, something for Taylor? Yeah, something for Taylor. That's all I need to have happen. I'm the special <laughs> one. I always remember. Yeah, I have a joke I don't want to make, but whatever. I'm excited to see you on Sunday. I'm excited to drink some kombucha, eat some bean chips, have some, have some fajitas. We're going to have a good time on Sunday. We're going fajitas, man. It's happening. I'll get a can of black beans, too. I'm not down for that. You already have your black bean chips. We don't need any more. Well, I'll find another side for us also. We'll have a good time. Nope. I'm out. So until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Ballard Radio. And thank you for talking to me again this afternoon, Taylor. I miss you. Whatever. You know Josh Allen's not very good. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.